0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 113th episode of the You Thought Sports podcast, joined today by the usual cohort, Lucas, Jared, Aiden, and Wyatt. We've got an episode mostly about the NFL for you, the NFL playoffs in particular, with a little bit of NBA talk at the end. So let's dive right in as usual. Let's start with some news we missed. Not a whole lot this week uh, in the NBA. The Nets are suffering because Kevin Durant has sprained his MCL. He'll be out for about four to six weeks, they say. So just when there were talks about Kyrie Irving maybe coming back in, they lose Durant. So that'll be interesting. Um, The Bills, in their dominant victory over the Patriots this weekend, had the first ever, quote-unquote, perfect offensive game, which I think is interesting. So I, I had a note for this specifically. They didn't punt, kick a field goal, turn the ball over, take a sack, or run a single play that went for negative <laughs> yardage the whole game, which wow. is absolutely absurd. Does it speak more to the Bills' offense or the Patriots' defense? I don't know. The
1: but Bills' uh, offense. The Patriots had the second best defense in the league. Yeah. In yeah, points I mean, per game.
0: Yeah, Patriots' defense though got
2: worse as the season went on. Or the last like five games, they were yeah. averaging like twenty-seven points a game given up. So I don't know what happened. I think they were a bit, or um, they had some injuries and such. But but yeah, I think most of the credit does go to uh,
0: to the Bills on that one. Josh Allen is, I guess we'll talk about this later, but Josh Allen is a force. Um, and then lastly, and a little bit more NFL news, Russell Wilson says that he will, quote, explore options, unquote, this offseason. Uh, he is still under contract, so I'm not entirely sure what he means by that, but we'll see if maybe he can finagle his way into a trade. I know there were talks about him maybe trying to do that last year and it didn't work out.
1: Maybe he'll pull in Antonio Brown and basically – Guarantee it gets traded. We'll see.
0: I wouldn't hate to see it. I'd like (laughs) like to see him somewhere that's not with Pete Carroll, but that's just me.
1: Oh. Yeah. Okay.
0: Carol's a Carol's guy. Anyways, all right. <laughs> I digress. Uh, let's talk about the playoffs. Obviously, the wild card weekend it was a pretty uh, interesting weekend. Four blowouts, I think, with only two games that were relatively close. Let's talk about both the winners and the losers. So let's start with the winners first. We couldn't quite let go of our NFL power rankings, so we're doing a special edition this week of playoff-only teams. So let's just jump right into that. Wyatt, you're off at number one. Who you got?
3: It feels unfair because the Green Bay Packers and the Tennessee Titans didn't get to play, and they are included in this power rankings. Um, so it would be easy for me just to give the Packers a nod, but I'm going to give the Chiefs the nod at number one. What? I feel like that they looked really well. They threw out every shovel pass red zone play that they possibly could have. To some degree, it was either a tight end shovel pass or running back shovel pass or a wide receiver shovel pass right in the end zone. Um, they were impressive. I thought that they looked really good, and uh, they're kind of catching fire right now at the right time, and it's hard to bet against a Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid team. Wow. I dis- I disagree.
1: I'm picking second. I didn't even write any notes for the Packers because I just had them penciled in at number one. The Packers should be number one here, but I guess I'll pick them here at number two. Yes, they, were, they are rolling on all cylinders as well, and just because, like Wyatt said, they didn't play this week and nobody got to see them. They're like, oh, no, it's the Chiefs, it's the Chiefs. But if they play again today, if you play them again today, I'm definitely picking the Packers to win that game, especially if it's going to be – well, I guess it wouldn't be at Lambeau Field. It would be in the Super Bowl. But um, I definitely think the Packers are the best team. Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers, I think, are an unstoppable force in a way that Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey on the Chiefs are not, So, in my opinion. So I'm going this season, so I'm going Packers. At two, a galaxy brain. Tick. No, it's not. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Devonte Adams has been the best receiver in the league two years running. Know. Best.
0: You, Lucas, so you're saying putting the <laughs> Packers at two specifically is a galaxy brain? No,
4: no, no, no. no. That Devonte Adams and Aaron Rodgers are necessarily uh,
0: More dominant.
4: more dominant than Kellen Kelsey. Than Kelsey. Come on. I think it's we'll much see when the they fun. meet in the Super Bowl. Let's it is at fun. the very least. we we'll yes. <laughs> 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 I think it's at the very least much closer.
1: Well, I didn't. I didn't say it was a big gap.
4: Okay, that's fair. <laughs> guess I implied, I assumed, and we all know what happens when you assume, so I'm sorry, Jared. Yeah.
0: Okay, well, Lucas, who do you have at three?
4: Uh, I This team was actually number two on my big board after the Chiefs, and that's the Buffalo Bills. And how can you bet against a team that played the first perfect game in NFL history, as Bart alluded to in the open? Josh Allen, going off. Incredible. You have five touchdowns? <clears throat> okay. mm-hmm. Ingr- good stuff. Running games doing well, Devin Singletary solid, Defense is playing well, enforcing takeaways. They picked off Mac Jones twice on Sunday. I just cannot understand how impressive this win was. It vanquished a lot of demons, I think, for the Bills. Um, The Patriots, you know, they did falter towards the end, but I think they were really good all year. And they just played a literal perfect game of football, so I don't think you can bet against them going forward. It does, like, it is tough. They have to play the Chiefs this week, and I think that honestly might be a de facto AFC Championship game, but... We'll see how it goes. I like the Bills a lot. They played really well against the Patriots. I think they deserve to be top three at a minimum.
1: Uh, I mm-hmm. had them at two ahead of the Chiefs. I had so much written for the Bills. No <laughs> <laughs> all went away.
4: <laughs> Alas.
0: Yeah, I, I, I like that pick, Lucas. Um, unfortunately, I, I would have liked to be able to take them at four, but I can't. <laughs> it wouldn't have made sense for them to get this far. I'm going to go with the Rams, actually. I'm torn between the Rams and the Bucks. Jared doesn't like that. I can't take the Bucks though I think just because of injury concerns and also like they they were less convincing in a win over the Eagles I thought than the Rams were in a win over the Cardinals and I think we would probably all agree that Wait, the Yeah, you thought the Bucks the
1: Eagles? You thought the Bucks were less convincing yes. than the Rams? Interesting. Yeah, yeah, but the Rams weren't
0: though. Not that yeah, the Rams were like elite. I was every, equally
2: convinced. But. There was a
0: point in the third quarter where Odell had more passing yards than uh, Kyler Murray, <laughs> so it's it's pretty fair, nuts. I fair. mean, like we know that the Rams are kind of up and down. Like they they really depend on their stars a lot, but like they all look great. Matt Stafford especially didn't have like any stupid turnovers. He, he you know two touchdowns, no picks, so he was solid. I think that this Rams mm-hmm. defense can be so good when they're on, so they're terrifying to me. So I take that at four
2: mm-hmm.
0: aiden what do you got at number five
2: yeah i think that's a fair pick um i have the bucks at five maybe it's wrong <laughs> at this point to still have not picked the the number one seed in the afc but i don't think anyone knows what the titans are really going to look like next week i mean if derrick henry is back in at full form um they could show what they showed i guess mid-season but um since we don't know i'm going with the bucks the bucks looked pretty dominant in that game against the eagles i think it was a shutout right at halftime and Eagles really only scored during garbage time. Bucks are definitely depleted, right? That's we've been over that. That's definitely the main concern. Um, but anytime you've got Tom Brady in the playoffs and uh, the way that they turned mm-hmm. it on last year, they're the, the defending champ, so it's kind of hard to bet against them at the moment. Uh, so I have them at five.
3: You know, I. I was hoping somebody would pick the Titans before me so I wouldn't be put in this position because I'm going to pick the Bengals, actually. I'm going to let the Titans keep sliding. I'm not really that much of a believer in the Titans. And when they made the Julio Jones trade a while ago, and it's a quote up on our Instagram at youth.sport, I said that (laughs) the needle for them doesn't move much for me as far as their window to win a championship. And I think that their ceiling is second round, maybe AFC contender, but I really like the Bengals. I think that the playoffs are a great window for quarterbacks to take over, and right now, if I were to bet either between Joe Burrow and Ryan Tannehill in a two-minute drill, I would take Joe Burrow every time, especially with Jamar Chase. I, I don't know what the health is going to look like for Julio Jones. I don't know what the health is going to look like for A.J. Brown, and I don't know exactly what Derrick Henry's going to look like You know, throughout his first game back after a while. There's, there's a, a good chance and I'm not banking on this happening, but there's a good chance that all three of those guys at some point go out during the game. They're they're incredibly injury prone. I would bet more on the Bengals actually winning. And this is like a more of a prediction, I guess. Um, I think that the Bengals are catching fire right now, <clears throat> and I got to bet on them. It's interesting.
1: You say the bagel the Bengals are catching fire because I was I was not super impressed by them in their game. They left a lot of points on the board uh, with how how the Raiders were. Begging the Bengals in the first half to just like run up, run up the score, and just kept kicking field goals. That being said, I am pretty shocked that I'm picking this team here at seven. uh, But it's going to be the Titans. I didn't even read again. I didn't really write that many notes for them because I thought there was no way I'd be picking them. But yes, you would take uh, Joe Burrow in a two minute drill over Tannehill. But that being said, the Titans still win close games. It doesn't matter; they still win close games. I don't think they're that far from seven, personally. You know, like they're they were like my fifth or sixth team. They kind of limped in the playoffs a little bit. Like they they squeak they squeak by teams. They're not going to blow out teams, but I guess the eye test uh, kind of carrying over from college football kind of marred this rankings too a little bit. But I'm comfortable, I guess, with the the Titans are better than the 49ers in my opinion. So that's why they're going to be
0: seven. The, the Titans really are fascinating. Like if you look at some power rankings of playoff teams that like the pundits have some people have them really high still because they're so well balanced and so well coached I don't know how to gauge them right now especially yeah. with Henry coming back
2: right because like season they blew out the Chiefs so again that wasn't like I guess late season Chiefs they also like pretty much blew out the Rams like they can clearly take on good teams um, but they also like almost lost to the Texans last week of the season so yeah exactly it's, kinda, it's, it's hard to tell
1: they lost you know. to the Steelers like four weeks ago yeah, like five yeah. weeks ago it's like it's, they're hard so weird
4: that leaves me last, and I have no choice but to pick the 49ers. <laughs> there are literally no other options, but they were last on my big board. Anyway, so it works out. I'm really scared Jared was going to make me pick the Titans last. <laughs> um, but I just don't think the 49ers are that good. Uh, they did decouder one over the Cowboys. Their defense looked pretty good. But I, just, I think at the end of the day, it comes down to quarterback play a lot in the NFL, and Jimmy G is just not. I don't think a championship winning quarterback by any stretch of the imagination. You saw it a bunch of times. This past week, he'd underthrow guys, he'd overthrow guys. He, they want, they win in spite of him most times, I feel like, just because they're so well balanced and they have such good weapons, uh, otherwise offensively, um, that they can eke out wins. But I think going forward, uh, this weekend against the Packers, so 49ers are last.
3: A lot of talking heads really like this matchup, though, between the 49ers and the Packers. I'm <laughs> saying that this is like the worst matchup the Packers could have gotten. But I mean I don't know if I don't yeah. necessarily feel the same way. I one of those so talking that there's a, heads. That there's a chance yeah. that the 49ers might have the Packers card type deal.
2: I think the Packers are overrated. They play a lot of close games. Anything's possible I, in a close game. I you know,
1: I, Yeah, but they're playing yeah, at home. Yeah, yeah. And it's probably gonna, at be at level like, level it's and gonna be bad. like it's gonna be like no degrees. Yeah, I mean, that's <laughs> the
2: strongest card in favor of the Packers. You know, making the Super stronger. Bowl is the fact that they are at Lambeau the whole time. I mean, that's yeah, a that huge a advantage. West
0: Coast team uh, but, Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, yeah, as There's we were, I think we
2: mentioned this before in the podcast. Literally, all the other teams in the NFC, um, or at least left, are warm weather teams. Yeah. or at least you know yeah. like moderate weather teams so rough
4: glad you added that qualifier of left because the eagles did make a play <laughs> the playoffs <weather laughs> it, it was ready. eight degrees yeah, here yeah. this weekend so <laughs> kind of toasty
3: yeah. at least <laughs> <in the middle laughs>
0: one Good really brief aside we never talked about this does anybody else think it's super stupid that there was a monday night game in the playoffs? yes yeah. it's yeah. outrageous I don't like that at all it's mm-hmm. <laughs> My pick of the Rams at four is going to look so party. bad yeah, when they lose because yeah. they
4: had one less yeah. day to prepare. <laughs> <laughs> Do they play a Saturday team or not? I'm no, not Sunday. They play the Bucs on okay. Sunday, I think. But it doesn't matter. Yeah, it's
0: still the playoffs. At yeah, like, least yeah. you can yeah, exactly. give teams the same amount of time. Anyways. All right. So now let's take a let's take a look at the other side of the coin and take a look at the teams that lost this week. There were six of them. We're just going to run through each of them and evaluate uh, maybe some hard-hitting takeaways of, of whether those teams' futures look good or not. So... Wyatt, let's start with you and the Raiders.
3: You know, I think it's actually more of a credit to the Raiders, the fact that we're even talking about them as a team that just got eliminated from the playoffs, because I don't really believe that they should have been here. Uh, Not because they weren't very good, and I'm a huge fan of Derek Carr, but more or less just the things that have happened through them them, uh, throughout the entire season. John Gruden, of course, gets fired. Henry Ruggs goes to prison, and it's like, they're kind of falling uh, into shambles. Some other guys got into trouble with the law. You know, this is the way it goes in Vegas right now, apparently. But I actually think if they had a wide receiver one, like a true wide receiver one, they might have actually won that game. Um, of course, Henry Ruggs is gone, and this offseason, they should look to acquire a true wide receiver one who can dominate in space. I think that the Raiders are going to. I, I was a, a person who thought that maybe they should strip it down to the studs and start over, but I think given the how well Derek Carr is and how well some of these other young pieces have kind of come up, and now that they have a new GM that's going to come in eventually and a new head coach that's going to come in eventually, they might be able to turn this thing around in a year and a half or maybe a year uh, or just an off season and make something work. Um, so I think it's again like I think it's a credit to them for getting this far. This is definitely an overachievement, and I think when you overachieve you kind of look to see how you can build on that and they they have a, a better than i expected thing going right now
1: my my question for you real quick Wyatt. today if i asked you today you had to make a decision are you sticking with the interim coach rick passaccia or are you getting are you going out for like harbaugh
3: um, or flores it, are you asking me from a from a person from an outside perspective, if I were to yeah, make from an out outside whether, perspective. whether or not they were going to keep him, I would say no. I think firing or getting rid of Mike Mayock is going to be kind of like a, a death sentence mm-hmm. for him. Um, I think they definitely really took to him really well. But I don't know. I just I have a thing with interim head coaches where I think <laughs> they have a lot of really good success. And then if you kind of carry him into next year, I don't know if they can carry that on. Um, I, I I would probably look to upgrade as, for like a true offensive play caller. I think John Gruden, as an offensive play caller, as an offensive mind, was a really good coach for the team. Obviously, a bad person, but um, I think that they should probably stick with an offensive play caller.
4: Yeah, I think what you might have had with the Raiders this year is like one of those situations where teams just rally around, uh, like in this in adversity. Like I don't want to call it necessarily like a trauma bond, but it's like. Like, you like, have, like, all those bad things happen midseason, and they just, it just brings the team together tightly. But I don't know how much testament that necessarily is to coaching. Obviously, it is somewhat, because, like, the situation could have just completely unraveled. But I think I'm with that. Like, if you have a better option, you should not In, base your entire decision process based off what happens.
3: Especially with the, the pick of coordinators and coaches you could possibly add I think that yeah, this is yeah. probably going to be the best option you have to to upgrade to that position mm. yeah. Yeah. yeah,
2: I think it would be a really interesting analysis to look at like historically interim coaches and <clears throat> how they do like during you know after you know they take over midseason versus how they do if they stay on as full time versus you know yeah. someone hired from the outside because um, mm. I think you're right Lucas and Wyatt that to some degree there's a like morale effect like mm-hmm. midseason
1: and maybe and maybe that was maybe that was Derek Carr, not just from I don't know like I said, like White was saying outside perspective we don't know what's going on in that locker room but from my perspective Derek Carr kind of looks like the ultimate leader in my opinion from what I can see so maybe that was Derek Carr meant not so much the interim coach so I'm sure that they're gonna know that within the building better than we do but mm-hmm. I think for what it's worth most of the players have thrown their support kind of like what Notre Dame did with Freeman actually throwing their support around like the in house guy, but um we'll see. I think why you were talking about the good pick of coordinators, if you got like the Bills offensive coordinator, with a Dable, that would be that would be like a, I think a home run potentially. What would he do with Derek Carr? Who knows? You when you look at what he's done with Josh Allen. And I haven't seen his name thrown around that much though, for that for the Raiders job at least.
3: No, I don't know. I you know I don't know what the Raiders are gonna, I mean, they're obviously just they just got eliminated from the playoffs. So their head coaching start search starts now. But um when they whoever they bring in a GM, they're probably gonna want their own guy. It's it's gonna be hard just yeah. to keep I don't know, it's just it's unfortunate and I actually I, I admire the work that the, the coach did. It's just For sure. it's it's just the way it goes. Yeah.
0: Okay, well, let's let's move on to the Pats. Aiden, what are your thoughts on the Pats?
2: Yeah, we kind of talked about it in the opening how, or at least the most <laughs> glaring problem during the Pats game was defense. Um, it was pretty enormous defensive breakdown, and they've been kind of deteriorating towards the end of the season. Um, but I'm not really going to focus on that. I think that the Pats will bounce back from that. I think they were lacking some depth to some degree. Um, and historically, at least during the Belichick era, they've been consistently able to churn out good Ds. Um, I'm going to focus on the offense, which also had its problems. Obviously, in the Bills game, Mac Jones very obviously is not Tom Brady. Um, but that said, like his performance wasn't—I don't think—was reason to panic. You know, he had a very solid season, especially compared to the other rookie QBs. Even though we we all know he was in a better situation, but but still. Um, and even in the um, Bills game, Mac was not as bad as I think his stat sheet looked. I mean, he had a. That first interception was just a fantastic play from Micah Hyatt. That was ridiculous. Um, and the second was tipped. It was kind of a forced throw and not great. But um, I still don't think he, you know, seemed super, like, rattled or anything. Um, with that said, though, I think that it's pretty clear that, the like, this era of the Patriots will be different than the previous one. You know, in the Tom Brady era, sometimes Tom Brady had stars around him, legitimate stars around him, like Randy Moss or Gronk. Um, but a lot of times he made stars out of people, right? He made Wes Walker kind of a star, even Julian Edelman, like guys who like were definitely good, but Brady made them um, kind of elite to some degree with his talent. And I think that the Patriots will have to kind of go out of their way to surround Mac with more dynamic playmakers um, because of the fact that he's not Brady. So I think the current receiving core and um, their current skill positions are, are solid. You know, Jacoby Myers had a solid year. Kendrick Bourne is solid. Um, Nelson Aguilar, who they brought in, was kind of disappointing. So I, I think they should go out and fight the Raiders uh, for a, a wide receiver one um, or some skill <laughs> players on offense just to kind of give Mac Jones an opportunity to thrive a bit better. I think um, there's it's a pretty solid wide receiver class. I mean, they probably won't get, I think uh, Devontae Adams is a uh, free agent. I doubt they'll get him, but Chris Godwin, Alec Robinson, uh, Mike Williams, uh, there are some options. And so I think they should kind of fill out their depth there as well as, you know, at at other skill positions to help out Mac.
3: I agree. And I think, sorry, Jared. I think that this is, um, this is what I said last week is just a guy syndrome or just a guy-itis is that they don't have guys that are going to be able to put on a show for you. And I think even as good as Mac Jones was this year, even though he fell off, it's like Kendrick Bournes and Jacoby Myers are the guys he has to throw to. And even Damien Harris, who I think is a really yeah. good running back, yeah. is he's their best player probably. It's just like, <clears throat> is he like a top 15 running back or top 10 running back? Maybe. Uh, but he'd probably be borderline at that point. I think that the Patriots going into this offseason are going to have to do something that they have not done in a while. And something that the Bills did really well with the Vikings, where they traded for Stefan Diggs for the first round pick, a late first round pick. And it completely changed Josh Allen's trajectory. And although Mac Jones is limited as an athlete, they have to get a guy who can work in space for them. They have to get a guy that he can trust, and they have to get a guy who's going to be a big playmaker. And I think that adding somebody through through the draft is not necessarily going to be the route for them. Go and look to trade your first-round pick. Add a guy out there. Coaches, teams, and quarterbacks need the dynamic playmakers, and Bill Belichick should look to add somebody with a first-round pick. Trading away a first round pick this off season. And there's a there's a high
1: likelihood that that will happen, right? Bill, doesn't Belichick usually like to trade the first round pick, or trade? He likes to trade back. He likes to trade back, yeah. To
3: get, but he's trading back for more seconds and thirds. Just trade the first straight up for a wide receiver.
1: Yeah. Um. I also, yeah, would do want to come to, like nobody was trashing Mac Jones on this this last little summary, but uh, he's not been a favorite quarterback on this podcast before, but, um. I think, yeah, like you said, Wyatt, with Josh Allen, look at what a good receiver did for him, or maybe it's a new system, like a new offensive coordinator. Probably not, but his ceiling, like people are like, there's a ceiling with Mac Jones. And it's like, okay, well, if we're just going off that now, he has the highest ceiling of any rookie quarterback right now because <laughs> every other rookie quarterback kind of sucked this year. Okay. Um, so I, I um, am not ready to to uh, like jump on any Mac Jones slander or anything. That being said... The fact that they have to play Josh Allen twice a year in their own division does kind of maybe expedite the the timetable a little bit. Like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna be playing this like two times a year for at least ten years, probably. That's gonna be kind of tough. And then also, who knows what the Dolphin the Dolphins have a decent core. Who knows what they might look like? The Jets are still the Jets, so I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> They've probably got like a fifteen Zach year Wilson grace period there. We'll have a sophomore
2: year <laughs> for the ages. Okay, he's hearing all our slander right now. Um, <laughs> hey it's you
1: know, going gonna... <laughs> No remember remember though that like Lamar Jackson was getting booed in his first playoff game like by the Ravens fans like mm-hmm. if things can change pretty quickly we'll see
2: mm-hmm.
1: Speaking of change let's go over to the the Pittsburgh Steelers here they're going to have a new most I don't think Ben Ben has officially announced his retirement yet but all signs point that he will and then they're going to have a new quarterback next year I think the future is pretty bright in Pittsburgh, actually. I feel like they could potentially be similar to, like, a a Bucs pre-Brady and that they have a a pretty good slot of, like, good pieces. They're generally pretty young, especially on offense, on the skill position side. Like, they got Juju Smith-Schuster. Don't know yet if he's coming back, but he'd be in year six. Chase Claypool is going to be in the third year. Mm -hmm. Najee Harris, who was, like, probably the best rookie running back, year two, Deontay Johnson, year four. I like that. Then they have T.J. Watt on the other side, right? So they have some pieces. That being said, um, they were just, like, barely – they were in the bottom half of the league in points allowed per game and yards allowed per per game. So do they also have to address some needs on defense. And one thing that kind of worries me is that, according to sources, they want to draft a quarterback rather than trade for a veteran, (laughs) when I feel like this is a perfect situation for a veteran to come into, like Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers – um I mean those are the two big names there Um I think I it's a really comedy. It's a really stable franchise And Yeah I I They want Kenny Pickett apparently But Is he gonna fall to them I doubt that Cause he's a He's, he's a
3: fall. pit guy That's why God, Exactly They share guy. the same so facility a, They share the same facility score. and stuff
1: But <clears throat> I doubt Kenny Pickett falls to them Unless they have to Unless they trade up Right
3: There's no yeah, way Kenny Pickett falls. fall to them um, no, I don't necessarily disagree. It's a pretty I think, weak. yeah, it's a pretty it's a weak class. Weak. I think that there's a really good chance that some guys might fall to the mid to late first round. And I think that we're going to see some guys who are necessarily like QB4 or whatever are going <laughs> to be like early second round guys, or QB3 might be early second round guys. I wouldn't be too shocked if uh, the Steelers were able to snag a guy later. Do but we have I,
1: evidence, though, that in weak quarterback classes, teams that need a quarterback don't draft a quarterback? They still do anyway, don't they? <laughs> I feel like Somebody I have to look run back run at up this you yeah. <laughs> with
3: Daniel Jones, you know? See, exactly. It's like, <laughs> yeah, but who wants that? I don't they they do it every, go. they
1: repeat the same mistakes all the time. Go ahead, Luke. I don't
4: necessarily think that, like, drafting a quarterback that was, like, the worst move. Because I think, like, as you alluded to, it's, like, I still like, a relatively young core around, and coach. like, for whoever would end. Mm. Well, yeah, not a young coach, but, you know, like, an experienced coach. But, um, yeah, great coach. And I think that, like, it would be a good situation for, like, them to, for lack of a better word, grow together. Like, I think, like, all their other skill position players are not necessarily in their prime yet. They're, like, approaching or hitting their prime, but, like, Najee Harris is a rookie. Chase Claypool's young. You could probably only say Juju is the one who's, like, in his prime or approaching it, or would be. So I think that, like, there's something to be said for, like, maybe punting on, like, the next year or two, but then, like, two, three years down the road if you draft Kenny Pickett or whoever then like they've also grown together, they're also putting their primes together, whereas if you like trade for Russell Wilson or something like that, then like you probably don't get the best out of him with the best of the other skill position. So I don't know if it's necessarily like a foregone conclusion that trading for a veteran is better.
3: But my counter-argument is is that you have a veteran who can help bring these guys into their primes. And I actually think that Russell Wilson, being yeah. a, a fantastic deep ball thrower, might be the perfect person for the Steelers' offense because they have a lot of speedsters. But, um, you know, I, I don't necessarily disagree. I think that, like you said, Claypool and Deontay Johnson are incredibly young. And Kenny Pickett would be able to grow. And you could have, like, a Terry Kale Travis Kelsey type thing where it's like they'll play together for the next, like, six years type deal. Mm-hmm. So... It's not exactly a bad idea, but I think that if you if I were the Steelers and I agree Jared, I would look for a veteran quarterback first and I would go for Russell Wilson and then maybe I would go if I I would only lock in on like one guy. If Kenny Pickett doesn't fall for me, I'm not going to overstep like reach for a quarterback and then I might just take a flyer a year. Maybe go for a Jimmy Garoppolo or Teddy Bridgewater type deal and yeah. Or you know, you just or just go have with a Dwayne 500 season. <laughs> Mike Tomlin get probably a won't let that there. happen, but
1: <laughs> yeah, Still I time. think they're I think they're interesting. The the future they've got some good. It's a stable franchise. Great coach. Um, I'm pretty intrigued to see what they do. So, what about the Eagles, though,
3: Lucas?
4: I think even despite the fact that they got, you know, throttled. Killed. I was trying to think of the right word without getting the explicit tag on my podcast. On <laughs> podcast. Um, but yeah, they got killed uh, by the Bucks this past weekend. But I think there's still like relatively high expectations for the Eagles. Uh, first off, just like looking at this year, they they were a very young team that exceeded expectations and made the playoffs despite all of the struggles that they had. In addition to that, going into next year, they have three first-round picks, and they're not, like, low first-round picks either. They're not high. They're 15, 16, and 19. They could either use that to plug a bunch of the gaps they have. The offensive line is getting a little old. They need to upgrade a linebacker. Like, maybe, probably, add another wide receiver. Um, They could plug all three of those needs, essentially, in the first round if they wanted to, or they could use it to trade for Russell Wilson or something. Like, I don't know. They could use it to in some way, uh, produce other value. They might lose their defensive coordinator, Jonathan Gannon, who's interviewing for a bunch of head coaching jobs. But I don't know how huge of a loss that is, in all honesty. Like, the defense was fine to good this year, Mm -hmm. but, like, really struggled at times. Mm -hmm. I think you saw that against the Bucs as well. Like, they made adjustments in the end of the first half into the second half, but they still really, really struggled. So, you know, maybe he just needed more time, but I don't think losing him to a head coaching job would necessarily be, like, this catastrophic loss. That being said, obviously, there are some really obvious struggles that need to be fixed if they want to move from, like, just making the playoffs to, like, being competitive in the playoffs. And the most important one, and the one I focused on last week with their fatal flaw, is that the passing game just has to get better. And I don't think that starts with Hurts necessarily. I think it starts with the weapons that Hurts has. Rager just can't come to it anymore. The drops and mistakes become more frequent and costly, especially when he muffed a punt that would have given the Eagles, like, really excellent field position to get back into the game. And then, so that was, these were both when the Eagles were down seventeen 2 0 and had a chance to like, you know, like put some points, points on the board before halftime and make it like a 10-point game. There was that and there was also Dallas Goddard who I mentioned last week is prone to big drops and had like the biggest drop this past weekend uh, when, again, they were driving down the field towards the end of the half, chance to maybe bring it closer before halftime. Hurts hits him with like a pretty well-thrown ball like the 20 and he just drops it. And they just sort of lost all momentum. So like, Rager doesn't cut anymore. Goddard needs to improve. He's good in other areas of the game. It's not as big of a catastrophe there, but he needs to improve as well. That being said, some of it is on Jalen Hurts, too. I think he was good this year, but he did miss a lot of open receivers this weekend, either not seeing them or just sailing passes. And I think it all came from the fact that the threat of the run game wasn't necessarily there this weekend, so he was put into a lot of obvious passing situations. I think he succeeds as a passer when you know they can do play action, when... They're not trying to pass the ball nearly every down, but since the Bucs took away their running game this past weekend, he was put into a lot of obvious passing situations where he struggled. Then, all that being said, though, I still think Hurts, barring the Eagles, uh, barring that the Eagles like can trade for Russell Wilson or whatever, has probably earned himself a starter spot next year. His rushing was really good. He was pretty confident, and especially with like a weak rookie quarterback class. I don't think the Eagles are going to draft a quarterback either. Like, I don't think any of the quarterbacks would be an upgrade over him at this point. Like, Matt Corral or Kenny Pickett or Malik Wells all are fine, but I don't think an upgrade. But he's got to improve his passing if they want to compete going forward. Like, it just has to happen. Um, and he has to be able to be a good passer without the threat of him running and the, without the threat of a run game at all times. So, again, my overall look on the Eagles is, like, pretty optimistic. They were young. They were predicted to be really bad this year when they made the playoffs. And they have some first round picks for next year, uh, or three first round picks for next year. But that being said, they do have to like, improve in areas if they really want to be competitive going forward.
3: Lucas, let me toss out a scenario to you. And you just tell me yeah. if you like it or if you don't. The, head, okay. the defensive coordinator, he gets a job somewhere else, whatever. Mm-hmm. Or he leaves on his own accord, whatever. Vic Fangio, he's available. Hire Vic Fangio, become defensive coordinator, being the highest paid defensive coordinator in the league. You use one of your three first round picks. You go maybe trade for uh, Michael Thomas, disgruntled star, not really bonding with Sean Payton, not really bonding with the Saints. And then now you have Vic Fangio as your defensive coordinator. You still have two first round picks and you have Michael Thomas to kind of support this passing offense. What do you think about that?
4: I don't hate it. I know there were a lot of head shakes on the Vic Fangio thing, but, I mean, he does have a, a pretty good record as a defensive coordinator. Um, mm-hmm. Great with the Bears, great with the 49ers. Um, you know, he struggled with the Broncos as a head coach, but, you know, I think you see sometimes guys who struggle as a head coach, like, go back into their roles as a coordinator and really thrive. I think we saw mm-hmm. Dan Quinn this year do that with the Cowboys. Um, so I think, like that's not necessarily the worst case scenario plus he's a Philly guy so we can't underscore the vibes of that right. um, <laughs> so um, I, yeah and then I think you know adding someone like Michael Thomas I don't I'm not all in on Michael Thomas necessarily I like he's been injured recently he's kind of disgruntled like maybe pass his prime but I think if you can swing a big trade for some big like wide receiver or some big offensive weapon I would say do it If even if it involves trading one two or even three of the first round picks I think, like, that's the thing that needs to be fixed. Like, you know, there are obvious areas they can do. The linebackers need to get better. Uh, The offensive line is getting old. But truthfully, like, the biggest issue is the passing game. And so you're not going to be able to get the kind of value in a big wide receiver star, like probably Michael Thomas, um, in the draft this year. So if you can trade for it, I say go for it. I don't hate that scenario.
1: The only thing that would worry me, though, is Jalen Hurts, uniquely mature, like, really good leader for... Mm-hmm. A third, a quarterback going into his third year, but then bringing Michael Thomas in there, I feel like that's a lot to rein in, as like yeah. a, a third year, you're still in your rookie deal quarterback. I don't know about that. I'd be worried. And Nick Sirianni, like second year coach, he's not necessarily <laughs> like, you need to have like kind of some
3: like jock insurance a little bit, you know, to like they have, they have in somebody like that. on the offensive line and the defensive
4: line. I think like Jason Kelsey could whip him into shape
3: not, oh, yeah. I also don't think he's I'll a diva say. that he's advertised. I don't I just don't think he and Sean Payton get along. Because he's you an know, Ohio State all. guy. That's why you don't yeah. think that. Now <laughs> when you have now when you sported that red, that's Scarlet. <laughs>
4: <laughs>
3: Is it my turn? It, it's your turn. Yeah.
4: <laughs> Moving through the NFC, steer up.
3: The Cowboys. Two words, Jared. Game management. (laughs) Hold on. Is this a recording from last week when I also said that game management would be their greatest flaw? Because I didn't expect for it to happen so soon, but it did. Mike McCarthy absolutely fumbled the bag in the first round against a weaker number eight ranked bottom tier 49ers team. They They had more penalty yards in the first half than they did offensive yards. Uh, They disastrously ruined a great comeback with an inability to get the ball back to the ref. Anybody who disagrees, read a rule book. The call doesn't fall on the shoulders of Kellen Moore because it had to have gone through Mike McCarthy's headset unless he's listening to just elevator music on the sidelines. (laughs) He's the one who heard a QB draw with 14 (laughs) seconds left and went, that sounds like a great idea. You should just just go for that. Dak could have slid earlier. He should have found the ref and handed the ball. And maybe they wouldn't have fumbled every opportunity they had during the game during regular regulation because this wasn't the first clock error that they had when they made a late substitution with ten seconds left when the punt team was on the field and then they got a delay of game penalty after because penalty the ref wouldn't let him penalty. snap it. No, because you don't understand the rules. They, if they <laughs> substitute if they make substitutions late, they have to let the defense make substitutions as well and get like and get set. They can't sub with 10 seconds left on the play clock. It wasn't 10 seconds. Yes, it was. Watch the film. It was 10 seconds left on the play clock. Mike McCarthy ruined the Cowboys. He ruined the game. And like I said last week, he was going to fall flat on his face when the opportunity came for him to call the game.
1: Yeah, so here's the strategy you need to do if you're playing the Cowboys: pay the refs to call 14 penalties on the Cowboys and hey, ignore every them. single hold penalty on on Micah Parsons, for example. Literally try to truck Dak on the final play so that he can't get a snap a snap off. Read the rules. That that's how you beat the that's how you beat the Cowboys. Jared, no, but the, no, but the, the ref, did you ref did, did you see the ref? The ref, the ref was like to, at the 50 yard should, line when make, the Cowboys were about to snap oh, the ball. But Jared, how fast? Yeah, do you need the ref to move. He's not, there's no, no that's a bad that's call. It was a bad a four play four. call. It was a bad play call. But no, but everybody's like, Dak should have handed the ball to the ref. The ref was nowhere near the play. He was still 30
3: yards away. Because he was, he, but he was, it's not like he was watching like, the sunset. On. He was running up to the play. <laughs> He's not clocking a 4 4 and triple backflipping but over, why the, over the offensive line. The why why is he 50 yards behind the play? Why is he 50 yards behind the play? <laughs> because nobody going expected on the stupid QB draw to happen. They probably had, t- they probably <laughs> they had time. Well, the, to ref do needs, that. Does, the ref needs to be on their toes. They, yeah, can't, and they and can't, just, can't, can't expect a team of 14 penalties, call all of his timeouts earlier. And then blow every other opportunity that he has.
1: The ref can't abdicate his duty because he didn't expect the pl- offensive play call. Right? <laughs> Jerry,
3: how fast do you need the ref to get
1: down there? No, but but seriously, you have to actual know the game, serious you have point to, though. No,
3: but you have to know the game scenario no, when man, you, do, you, you, you slide. When you slide there, he tried to get an extra like two yards out of it. When you slide and you just decide to set the ball yourself, find the ref. The ref is,
1: but the thing is, is the ref is literally, is literally 25 then yards meet him away. Ten, what then is meet, the meet him at 10 season? yards, then run back 10 yards and meet him halfway. Okay. It's, still, it's probably just as slow. It was a bad call. It was just as slow.
3: Not a bad call.
1: By the ref? <laughs> no, by, by the Cowboys. It was a bad call by Kellen Moore. Apparently <laughs> Kellen, apparently Mark McCarthy called the bad plays and Kellen Moore called every, every play that worked. Right. When you're the head coach, yeah, that's the way it mm-hmm. works. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No, but also, I mean, I will say I I kind of do understand where Kellen Moore was coming from. Like, if you looked at the the Forty Niners, <laughs> no, you do. If you looked at the Forty Niners um, defensive lineup, they literally were just on the sidelines. So I don't know where they were going to throw to. Maybe there would be. Maybe there's some combination that got space, but like they just Dude. had three guys five yards 10 yards spaced apart like just literally on the sideline so you play two minute defense jay <laughs> so what, what what's your play call there what
3: i would run a qb draw <laughs> <Shut> <laughs> up. oh my gosh i just there were there was a scenario they could have i would have had two plays written up of it if that were me he run he they he slides and then they just run another play instead of trying to clock it i think that that that's the problem It'd take the same amount of time. No, you would. He would have had time clocking it with the with the ball in his hand and spiking it. Like that takes a second or so off the play clock. Okay. He would have at least had a time to try to make a play happen, take a couple shots to the end zone type deal. But hey, here's another point, and this is something I said a long time ago before the season started. If Dak Prescott, Amari Cooper, Ceedee Lamb. Ezekiel Elliott, Micah Parsons, Demarcus Lawrence, uh, Trayvon Diggs, all did their job to, the, to perfection. <laughs> they were a legit Super Bowl contender. But Trayvon Diggs got cooked. Dak Prescott looked worse than Jimmy Garoppolo. Amari Cooper made one play. CeeDee Lamb was nowhere to be found. Ezekiel Elliott was nowhere to be found. Uh, Micah Parsons was, he's a rookie, so I'm going to cut him some slack. I like the guy. And Mike McCarthy fell flat on his face. <laughs> just as I expected. So oh I mean, gosh. everything that I said that they had to go right went wrong, and I'm not <laughs> surprised by it. So well, I'm not gonna,
1: du- I'm not gonna pin that on any defensive players. They did their job. It was no, the Trayvon, offense. It was no, Dak.
3: Trayvon Diggs. He didn't do his job. It was Dak. If he's not, getting they gave 23 pick, points. I mean, if, if Trayvon Diggs isn't getting three picks during a game, two picks during a game, he is a defensive liability. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness.
0: Why? What do you think? What should we be expecting from the Cowboys next year? Well, do they need to make any crazy changes or no? Uh,
3: do they need to? Yes. As a Giants fan, I'm, I'm happy with where they're at.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I'll wrap it up with the Cardinals. I think this will probably be a little bit less heated of a segment. Um, I think the Cardinals' problems are tough to pinpoint. They're kind of a tricky team. I think they might want to start with a very hard look at Cliff Kingsbury. Is he the guy – I'm not convinced. Uh, I know on paper they've gotten better under him. They started like five and 10 in his first year this year they were 11 and six so they've improved each season. but like for a coach who's supposedly supposed to be an offensive guru, he has never led them to a top 10 scoring offense in any of the three seasons. so like it still seems like they kind of aren't reaching their maximum potential and that's with like so many weapons offensively. Um, also just the fact that they seem to falter every season in like the back half of it, Seems like a coaching issue more than anything, but that's, again, kind of hard to pinpoint. Um, but I also think that they just need to bolster their talent. Like, it, like I, they have a lot of weapons, but they also have a lot of guys hitting free agency, and their cap hit is not going to be, or their cap space is not going to be great this year. Christian Kirk and A.J. Green plus Nuke are a great wide receiver combo, but Kirk and A.J. Green are both free yeah. agents. Uh, James Conner and Chase Edmonds were two really, like, reliable kind of running back by committee running backs this year. They're both free agents. Uh, and then on the defensive side, Chandler Jones is a free agent. Jones and Watt are both on the wrong side of 30. Uh, Nuke is going to be on the wrong side of 30 once next season starts. So they're getting older as well. So I think they've got a lot of questions to figure out as far as like how they want to build this roster moving forward. And I also... like People are saying that Kyler might just not... Have that kind of spark that you need from your from your quarterback. Like, does he really care that much? Some people are like, oh, he's going to go to the MLB. Like, oh, like when he's not when he's not winning, he doesn't really like playing football stuff like that. And I think it's kind of it's kind of weird. Like, he really had an awful game, and you wonder whether his heart was totally in it or whether that's totally just made up stuff. But uh, yeah, I think they're going to have a hard time. If anything, they need to bolster their defense and specifically their run defense. They could probably run it back with the same weapons offensively next year and be all right. But their defense, I think, needs a bit of a, a bump. And then coaching, they might just want to take a look at who. who could be better than Cliff. I don't know. I don't have a good answer to that question. But uh, you, I don't know. You kind of have to be worried as a Cardinals fan, I feel like, given the fact that they are in the NFC West, which clearly still has two very good teams at least. We don't know what will happen with the Seahawks, but maybe it will be three. So I think I might be the downest, if that's a word, on any of these teams that we've discussed here uh, with the Cardinals. So we'll see how that goes. All right, let's what wrap if, it up. What if,
1: wait, what if the Cardinals made a run at Eric Bieniemy?
0: I would – I'm happy – I don't know. People are all like, Eric bien never calls the plays. It's Andy Reid. Why does he get any looks? But I would love for him to have an opportunity. I think that would be a great, mm-hmm. great match, actually, because there are so many weapons there.
4: Yeah, I agree. The fact that he still doesn't have a coaching job is kind of a crime. Like, and, he's, yeah. he's just
3: got to be like a terrible interviewer.
4: Yeah.
3: You know, which, appa- uh, which like, apparently uh, like, that's how Joe Judge got the job is that he was a fantastic interviewer. <laughs> so. know, some people just don't
0: even <laughs>
3: Okay,
0: well, let's wrap up this episode with uh some NBA talk. I mentioned this earlier. We're going to have our first NBA power rankings of the season. Um so yeah, let's see let's see what we think we are a few months <laughs> into the season here. Who do you got at number 1, Aiden?
2: Um, I think one's kind of easy. Um in- I've got the Suns there. I think they've been the best and most consistent team in the NBA. Uh, They began the season 1-3, and and since then they're 32-6. and Uh, They're probably the most complete team that I can see at the moment. They've got eight guys averaging more than 10 a game. Chris Paul is immortal. You know, he's maybe not as good as last year at scoring, but he's averaging almost 10 assists per game, which he hasn't done since, like, 2016. Um, And I think it's interesting that the Suns don't have, like, too many years left, and that Chris Paul is old. And also DeAndre Ayton, he's only under contract. I mean, he's going to be restricted free agent this year. They didn't give him the max last offseason. So there's only, you know, maybe a year uh, or so more of him unless they, you know, pivot. So I think there's got to be some urgency from the Suns to like make it happen this year. Um, And so far, they have made it happen. They just got to keep that going. But I think they're the fairly clear number one at the moment.
0: I agree. I wish you had let me take them at two. But instead, I'm going to go with the Grizzlies because they are hot as heck right now. Ja Morant is simply that dude. Uh, I know that they, they were like, I don't remember what the record was without him when he was injured earlier this season, but it was like weirdly good. Uh, but it was like a schedule thing. Uh, they weren't actually that good without him and they need him. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're 12-1 and one in their past 13. They're number four in net efficiency. Uh, over the past 15 games, because I, I don't think it's it makes sense to look at the whole season in this case. Um, so they yeah they're really hot right now. Jazz I do they have four guys scoring over 16 points per game, which is wild. But I think like they go as 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 Jaws. He's like so ferocious when he drives. He's just like he's got the he's got the flashy types of plays that uh, I think the NBA probably <laughs> loves using in their highlight rails. And uh, like he just gives them energy. So I like I like the Grizzlies at two. They're really rolling right now. Lucas, who do you got at three?
4: I was hoping you would not pick the Grizzlies because I have literally no idea. who. I mean, I do, but like, <laughs> I feel like it is wide open for me at this point. You can throw out the Warriors because, you know, they're second in the West. But they've been awful recently, like <laughs> truly bad. And Steph has been also truly bad. So I don't know if I can in good conscience pick them. Though, they do have an impressive one against the Bulls. The Bulls have been faltering lately. Um, they got killed by the Bucks. They lost to the Grizzlies. Uh, they lost to the Pelicans. They lost to the Mavs. Like I, I just can't in good faith pick them at three, just because well they still have a decent record. They're just falling flat. So that brings me with a couple options. I'm thinking maybe the Jazz, the Bucks, the Bulls. But I think I'm gonna go with the Jazz. Um, I think they have been once again really consistent this year. They have this, they're second in net rating in the league and they're the best in offensive rating they've slipped up a little bit as of late but I don't. that's because Rudy Gobert was out for five games, hurt their defense I think if you look at how they play with Gobert in the lineup they're up there with the best in the West, they're closing in on the Warriors in terms of overall record I think they'll probably take over pretty soon plus they've destroyed some really good teams this year, notably the Sixers and the Nuggets. so I think they've been hurt a little bit by Gobert being out and if you look at it in the whole, their net rating is really good. They're the best offense in the league. Um, that doesn't, I think, quite reflect their record. So I'll go Jazz at three.
1: Okay. You know, I should pick the Warriors, but I think I'm going to make it kind of fun. I'm going to pick the Miami Heat here, actually. Yes. I think Woo. they're, they're <laughs> up there. I mean, they're, they're the second seed right now. They play really good defense, fourth in um, points allowed this, this year. And I just really – how can you go against Jimmy Butler? You, you like the way that guy plays – um, and they're, they're like, um, seven and three in their last 10. So I think overall they've got some, some good momentum. There's going to be some, some, uh, swings of momentum, but I like what the heat have right now. And I'm going to put them up there at uh, number four.
3: I think that's fair. And I think it's even more fair that I get to pick the Warriors now. <laughs> um, they're kind of coming back into their own. I think as a team with clay, just now coming back off of injury, missing like the last, I think two years of play. I think Jordan Poole is a star. I think Steph Curry is still as good as he was. Uh, Draymond Green seems to be still as good as he was. And then I think eventually Josh Joshua uh, Wiseman is going to be able to come back and kind of play a role here on this team. So the Warriors are really good. I mean, <clears throat> Steph Curry is the most efficient three-point shooter we've ever seen. He's the best shooter in NBA history. You can't really drop a guy like that outside of your top five, especially with the, win, with the clip that they're winning at. So I think the Warriors take the five spot. Aiden, he's at six.
2: Yeah, I think that's a good pick. Um, I have the Bulls at six. I think they're currently the number one seed in the East. Mm-hmm. They've kind of been the surprise team this season, obviously. DeMar DeRozan having kind of a surprise mid to the like renaissance. Um, <laughs> and yeah, exactly. Wyatt, yeah, looked through his crystal ball, um, but I anyway. hold on. I am two for
3: two though on sleeper picks in the NBA so far.
2: Who is your other sleeper pick?
3: I picked the Suns last year. That'd be a sleeper pick for
4: a ton. Yeah, two yeah, years yeah. in a row. Okay. Yeah.
2: Who's, yeah, who's 2022-2023's team? We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> when we get there, uh,
3: when we anyway, get there. Yeah,
2: exactly. Well, I'm teasing it now, but we'll get there. Um, I think the Bulls ball, the have struggled of late a bit. Um, they're just 5-5 five five in their goal. last 10. They've lost four in a row. Um, but Alex Crusoe is about to come back, and Alex Crusoe is the defensive difference stud uh, for this Bulls team. Exactly. He is, he's actually a big difference maker. I think they'll kind of um, get back into the role of it. Once he's back, so I'm not, not super down on their, you know, recent losses at the moment.
0: Okay. Uh, I was hoping that this team fell to me and they did. I don't know. This might be kind of a hot take, but I love recency bias. And so I'm going with the Mavs who are also electric right now. Uh, I love when Luka plays well, and he's been playing really well this year, especially, like, defensively. He's low-key, been like, better than his reputation. Uh, gives him credit for, which is something. But the Mavs are 9-1 and one in their past 10, including wins over the Warriors, who we have already, the Bulls, who we have already, and the Grizzlies, who we have already. So they're really looking nice, and they're number two in their net efficiency over the past 15 games. You know I love that stat. I'm going to be using it all the time. Um, but, yeah, like, I also mentioned that the... Grizzlies had a really well-distributed scoring system, and the, the Mavs might even have more so. They have six guys scoring over 10 a game, which is wild. Um, we know that is a great distributor. I think that's probably largely a credit to that. But, um, yeah, anyways, I like the Mavs. I think they're hot right now. I'm taking them at seven. Lucas, who do you got at eight? Uh,
4: for me, it's between the Sixers and the Bucks here, um, and I think it's really, really close. And I think partially a homer pick but also partially because they've been hotter as of late. I'm going to go with the Sixers. The East, just like to preface all this, is crazy close this year. The, the Sixers are the sixth seed right now, but they're only two and a half games out of first place. And um, like, so very easily, the Sixers, the Bucks, the Cavs, the Nets, the Heat, <laughs> and the Bulls could all reasonably the one be the one seed at this point this year. And even the Hornets, who are seven only four games back. But the Sixers have been arguably the hottest team in the East since Christmas, uh, They've won 10 of their last 13, and they had some really impressive wins over the Heat and the Nets in that time. <laughs> Embiid is playing out of his mind, averaging over 30 points per game. Uh, Tyrese Maxey has really come into his own as a really good point guard. There are still struggles from Tobias Harris, but we'll deal with that. Um, and But the Sixers also have the second-best defensive rating in the NBA since Christmas. They... Have been really good. They probably still need some help. They probably still need to swing up Ben some is trying to be really true contenders. And I think the loss that they had to the Wizards on MLK Day sort of shows that Embiid can't do it all. But just having Embiid be your best player gets you to be a decently good playoff team. He's currently shooting a higher three point percentage than Steph Curry is at this point during the year, so no. <laughs> People forget about that. Um, but yeah, Sixers have been really, really good recently. They've had It's been just like a weird season overall. They started out really hot, and then the whole team got COVID, and they were awful for a while. But then they've been really, really good again as of late. Um, so, yeah, they're a team on the rise. The loss of the Wizards is a slip-up. Their schedule is not too bad coming up. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if by early February they're top two or three in the East. I to so the team- happy...
0: Oh, I'm sorry. I just wanted to say it makes me happy that with with every win that the Sixers get, Ben Simmons' leverage slips, and he's uh-huh. just gonna he's gonna waste away. <laughs> yep. I'm sorry uh, to interrupt nice. you, Jared.
1: I was just gonna say I'll go with the team that Lucas was considering but didn't pick. I'll go with the Bucks. A weird team for sure. I mean they they go and beat the Nets, and then they go beat get beat by the Hornets in back to back games. Then they go out and beat the Warriors. It's kind of a hard team to figure it out, but. They're the defending champs, so I'll give it to them. They have the best – the only team that has not been mentioned yet that has a better point differential than than them is the Cavs. Um, so they still overall should be a pretty good team. Um, so, yeah, I'll go with the Bucs, the defending champs here at 9.
3: I think – I you know, I was hoping that the Bucks and the 76ers wouldn't fall on my lap because I didn't want to make the boring pick. And I think there's a pick here that – like the Nets, that might feel more obvious. However – Given the star power that they have, and I think over the next four weeks I might be justified since they don't have Kevin Durant, I'm not going to pick the Nets. They've teetered on, you know, 500, or not 500, but I would say mediocrity. They haven't like, looked anywhere spectacular. Surprise team like the Thunder have beat them in recent, uh, the last couple of days or weeks. And I'm going to go with the Cleveland Cavaliers, who have shocked mm-hmm. a lot of people this year. I think Darius Garland has kind of come into his own. Evan Mobley has really kind of Landed as a pick for them um, And they have a lot of really good young pieces That are, are starting to come, come together And they might even be able to look To move like a Colin Sexton In order to acquire more Young, or not young pieces But acquire more talent for that team In order to Take them over the top I don't think that they are going to be a championship team this year, but I think it's really refreshing and incredibly surprising to see a non LeBron James led Cleveland Cavaliers team rank anywhere in the top 4 of either of anywhere in any category, but especially the overall standings in the East Eastern Conference. To see them at, you know, like Lucas said, like, it's incredibly close. They're about a game and a half away from being the number 1 seed in the East, so Good for them. They were a pretty bottom feeder franchise, and now they've kind of seemed to find their their grip back in the NBA.
0: There were some funny memes floating around on Twitter uh, about how LeBron is, like, looking at the Cavs as a place to go to this offseason <laughs> and finish his career now that they're good again.
3: He'll go there, we'll just... he'll trade away every player that has got them to that point, and
0: exactly. then leave.
3: Just for LeBron. J.R. Smith will come, will graduate from college,
2: <laughs> <Exactly>. and
4: <laughs> get drafted. Yeah.
2: J.R. Smith is, upon... like,
4: doctorate at that point. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> gonna be killing it. We'll just expand to upon the closest of the East. I didn't have this on my notes, but I just looked again. The Knicks are the 11 seed and are yes. six games out of first place. Oof. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> like, the Knicks, like, if they go on a little run, could be the number one seed, and they're currently 11. And that's just, I don't know, it's crazy.
2: Honestly, though, we have Imagine. a second half to 24. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anything <laughs> is possible. You know, well, yeah.
4: <laughs> oh, Knicks Timberwolves currently 109-108 with 47 seconds left. So maybe Ooh. that run begins now. Who knows? Shoot. So
2: Tim like, on your TV. Listeners low key, that, the but, like,
0: you'll, you'll
4: and ready.
2: they're they're
0: in the top ten in net efficiency of the past fifteen. The Timberwolves are even though they haven't actually looked that great, but uh, oh. they like might actually end up being good this year. They're in
4: a playoff spot right now, so not bad. Shoot, sure.
1: you know who's not good this year, but I've seen play live is the Blazers.
4: They are really bad this year. <laughs> Sorry. They beat the Bulls, yeah. though.
1: They beat a power so ranking team. Surprise, so. <laughs> <Hey. laughs> <laughs>
4: Maybe they can get an honorary power-ranking again at some point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. we should do top 10 and then a the 30th team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's got to be. It's got to be the Magic. Oh,
3: yeah. They're terrible. I meant-
4: They're yeah. terrible.
3: 8 and
4: 37. Pretty the bad.
3: Rockets are pretty bad, though. Oh. I think Our from, rules, like, an eye test yeah. perspective, the Rockets are pretty bad. yeah.
2: I feel like they've also got a lot of like inner turmoil that I feel like they're always fighting with each other too. <so. laughs> Love a good Crash and Burn team. But um, but yeah, I, I think we'll probably have a, a bottom five or bottom ten in our future uh, once we get sick of our top ten power rankings. But thank you for listening as always. Uh, keep listening wherever you are listening right now. SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Uh, and follow us on all the social medias i do sport on instagram twitter tiktok if you invent a social media um we'll be on it uh, and please follow us there and yeah tell us what you think about our takes tear them apart there's plenty to tear apart uh as per usual and we'll be back next week likely with uh, some more nfl playoff talk maybe some more nba